Tuesday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Matt Argusinger, and from Rule Breakers and Supernova, David Kretzman. Happy Halloween, Jeff. Hey, hey. Happy Halloween. Also, also, happy. What's that? That was scary. Yeah. You know what? A couple of the earnings results we're going to talk about? <laughs> definitely scary. Uh, today is also the day, uh, by the way, for Coach shareholders that Coach officially changes its name to Tapestry, which means their ticker symbol changes. So if you are a Coach shareholder, uh, you're now a Tapestry shareholder, and the ticker is TPR. So. That's that's actually what I meant by scary. Yeah, <laughs> Tapestry. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have very little trouble adjusting to Tapestry uh, relative to my adjustment to Alphabet. I still go with Google more often than not. It's it's taken me a while to refer to it as Alphabet, and I feel like the next time Coach reports earnings, I'll be like, well, well, tapestry. (laughs) Let's just move on. And uh, speaking of scary, yeah, Under Armour's third quarter. Did anything go right? Uh, They had the first sales decline as a public company, and it's worth pointing out, they've been a public company since 2005, and the stock is down to its lowest point ever. Ever, in 2005, when they went public, it was not this low. It's down about 14 percent this morning. Is there any good news here? There is good news. Let me let me get through the bad. Okay. The, the really really bad news first. Yeah, revenue down five percent. You said that uh, it's really about the wholesale. So, sorry, wholesale business in North America down 13 percent. Uh, Kevin Plank on the conference call mentioned things like retail disruption, which we talk about a lot. Competitive undercurrents. By that, I think he means Adidas and Puma, some other brands that have really kind of taken share in the specialty athletic apparel market. Uh, changing consumer preferences. We know less people are going to malls, less people are going to big department stores where they would typically find Under Armour brands. Um, he doesn't expect conditions to improve in 2017. Uh, in fact, he said a difficult environment in our North American wholesale business will probably continue well into next year. So this isn't turning around anytime soon. Uh, and by the way, a $29 million, speaking of profits now, $29 million impairment to Goodwill related to the connected fitness business. This oh. is no surprise. Oh, what a shock. We, we knew this was coming. <laughs> and I expect this will be, there'll be future write downs here. Of course, they paid a lot of money for these, this technology, these apps uh, over the past several years. They're starting now writing, writing them down. By a lot of money, the number in my head is seven hundred million dollars. Is is it? Am I right on that, or am I close? That's, I think, that's yep. yes. So okay. twenty nine million is just a small, you know, small first step. And I think they that. started that impairment last quarter, so they're it just you continues. Know, yeah, I think every quarter or two we'll just see this write down continue because they're they're basically acknowledging. Or they, on the conference call, they said we're de-emphasizing connected fitness. Hardware, which if there's any way to directly monetize those connected fitness apps, that was it. And now they're saying, no, we're we're actually going to pull back on that. So they spent over seven hundred million dollars on those three apps. They really took their balance sheet out behind the back of the barn and shot it. <laughs> now they have over eight hundred million dollars in net debt. They don't produce consistent cash flow. Earnings dropping over fifty percent this quarter. So they're they're in a much uh, tighter financial position now. So now that they are hitting hard times, they're still very dependent on that North American market. Even though internationally they are doing well, that's still just about a fifth of total revenue. So. I, th- I think this is going to get worse before it gets better. I thought one. I was going to say one, you said something about good news. I, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so uh, we'll get to that one sec. I just thought one. Well, here maybe this is good news. Towards the end of the conference call, I thought this maybe Kevin Plank had a moment of clarity. I don't know. He said, "I think we probably were a little braggish about things." That's a money <laughs> quote, and I think that's the case. I mean, I remember hearing him talk. I believe it was South by Southwest in early 2016. 
where you know at that point revenue was still growing in excess of twenty percent, and I, he spent half that presentation digging at Nike, and I just walked away from that thinking, you know, I know the guy's confident. I mean, I know he believes in the business. He's a world beater. I just remember walking away from that thinking, you know, he's a little arrogant, and this could come back and get bite him, and maybe he's finally got to that point where he's acknowledging that could have been a factor. Um, we've talked about this with other CEOs. As long as you're producing results, as long as the stock is going up, investors are willing to have no trouble with your arrogance, and in some cases, just cast it completely as confidence. But the, I mean, right. There are CEOs who can who have a hot streak and they can do no wrong. Right now, Kevin Plank is a guy. If he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, <laughs> right now, that's how he's going. Uh, I'll just say so. Getting back to some of the things David Cressman said, here, here's what's working. So you got the direct to consumer business growing 15 percent. That's now a third of total revenue. Uh, David mentioned the international revenue of 35 percent, roughly a fifth of revenue. So to me, the brand has legs to it. There's a brand here. There's a, there's a there's a definitely a business here. I would just say, make no mistake though, this is a turnaround that has a long way to go. So yep. the stock is down 85 percent in the last two years. Mm. It, when uh, when you look at it right now, when you say things like this is going to get worse before it gets better, at some point, doesn't this become a stock that is oversold? He asked, hopefully. <laughs> I, I think. Uh, I mean, at some uh, point, you have to look yeah. at this and just go, "Well, wait a minute." I mean, it's not it's not that dire, but maybe we're not at that point yet. No, I, I think taking a step back and looking at this higher level, I think Kevin Plank is still a founder owner who. In general, has has done an incredibly impressive thing with Under Armour. Uh, I think there is still some strength to the brand, although I think that has been called into question a bit here. Like, how does their brand compare to to uh, to Nike? But when you don't have much in the way of consistent free cash flow and earnings are dropping, that kind of takes away any floor for the stock. So I don't think you want to immediately see this as a buying opportunity, especially because I think. Well, they lowered their guidance for 2017 as a whole, and I think that implies that sales will continue dropping at least for another quarter or two, and potentially longer, uh, since they are still very much hinged to the North American market, which they expect to uh, have headwinds for for a while. So right now, uh, even though the stock has has been dropping pretty much like a rock over the past year plus, uh, the, the the PE multiple is still above 33. Uh, so wow. there's still a premium uh, that that investors are paying for the shares today, even after today's drop. And I think I, I think it'll drop further from here. I think if you're a shareholder in Under Armour like I am, I think holding on today is fine. Yep. I think if you're interested in buying more, wait till this thing actually turns. I mean, you're going to try to bottom fish this thing probably for the next year, and it's going to be really hard. And we could see uh, more lows. But I would just say once it turns, and you know you have one or two quarters of, of good results, growth is returning, traction's back in the business. That's when you want to jump in. Don't worry about catching the bottom. Wait for the. You might miss twenty or thirty percent on the upside, but if this thing does turn, it's going to be a pretty. It's going to be a good stock down. Yeah, and I think uh, Kevin Plank and, and this whole management team. This is a very much a humbling year or two that they've gone through and will continue to go through. And, you know, they brought on a new chief operating officer who's really trying to bring more discipline and efficiency to to the business. Whether you're talking about manufacturing, distribution, retail, all all those things. So ideally, the company will come out of this stronger, but it'll take a few quarters from the to get to that point. Third quarter revenue for Shopify was up seventy two percent 
from a year ago. That is a record, and I guess it wasn't enough, David, because uh, shares of Shopify's had an amazing year. I mean, even with the drop today, it's still up about 130 percent. But the stock today dropping about nine percent this morning. Yeah, I think part of this is the valuation is very high. The the price to sales ratio, even after uh, that revenue growth this quarter, is still close to 19. So that, you know that's lofty. Expectations are high. Also, they had the conference call this morning, and pretty much the first thing that Toby Luque, the founder and CEO of Shopify, um, the first thing he mentioned was the the short attack from Andrew Left at Citron, basically calling him a you know short selling troll and, and other things. <laughs> and it, pretty, it seems like as soon as the conference call started, uh, the stock dropped a little bit more. So I don't know if uh, wait was he asked about the report or did he just that was that was his opener? <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, we're going to talk about the troll and oh. very very dismissive. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he did say some things that I think we, as foolish investors, we like to hear. Like you know, in the long run, the the performance of the stock will follow the performance of the business. But he was, you know, at least slightly dismissive, uh, you know, of the concerns that that were brought up in uh, Andrew Left's report. So that probably didn't inspire a lot of short term confidence for for people um, who have been following that Citron story. But the the underlying performance of the business is still really impressive here. They they have over five hundred thousand customers. Uh, they're they're guiding for revenue growth to continue in the fourth quarter to between fifty six and sixty percent. The balance sheet is very strong, almost a billion dollars in cash with no debt. So, uh, I, I think at at this point, you just ha- if you're an investor in Shopify or looking to buy shares today, you just have to recognize you know this is eleven billion dollar company, still not profitable. Uh, a lofty valuation, uh, as I mentioned. So uh, there will be a lot of volatility going forward. Yeah, I just wish CEOs. And speaking of Kevin Plank, one we just talked about, I wish just let your success speak for itself. Uh, I think anytime, especially in your opening remarks. I mean, if, if he was asked about it and respond, you know, gave a good response, and so he probably would have been asked about. It. Oh sure, yeah, I'm sure he would. Maybe no he doubt. was. Maybe he was trying to get ahead of those things, but come out with the troll language and things like that. I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> just don't, don't go there. Don't go there. IPG Photonics, not exactly a household name stock, but maybe it should be. Uh, third quarter profits was, well, it was another quarter of record profits and uh, overall sales of nearly 50%. Um, I hear IPG Photonics again, not a household name. I just think lasers. Whenever I when, <laughs> laser you mentioned that, you're like, you're like, hey, do you want to talk about IPG Photonics? And then what what I heard was, hey, do you want to talk about that laser company? Yeah, that's exactly it. And and they are the leader in fiber lasers, which is a uh, a subset of laser technology that is really gaining market share and becoming kind of the the standard for the industry. So and and IPG Photonics, the biggest player on that. I mean, if if you're if you're an industrial manufacturing company that does any kind of cutting, welding, drilling, you're probably using IPG's lasers. They're a vertically integrated company. It's been a long time wreck in our rule breaker service. We we own it at MDP, and that's been great because I think the stock is up about 100% over the last 12 months. But they you know they've been revising guidance steadily higher every quarter this year, and now um, now they're targeting the strongest annual revenue growth in six years for the business. So again, one of those companies that you know it's not a household name, and you followed it. It was, it was growing nicely, but it's just hit that. Whatever it is, that S curve that we we always look for with growth companies, and the growth is just accelerating, uh, and and the stock price is reflecting that. And the stock today is not really doing much. It's it's up a couple of percent, and I'm assuming that is because this has now entered the only perfection will move the stock meaningfully. When it's an earnings report, right? It's had such a big move. It's at a lofty multiple, thirty-five times roughly earnings. Um, 
you know, it's going to take it's going to take an absolute home run. And, and, and they are hitting home runs, but the stock has had such a big move ahead of it. Texas Roadhouse third quarter profits rose twenty percent. Their overall revenue up twelve percent. That was actually higher than expected, and pretty good comps too, David. Four and a half percent. That's in this environment. That's most restaurant companies would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and that, that's actually accelerated for them uh, over the course of the year. And they also mentioned for the fourth quarter, their same store sales uh, in the first month of the first quarter, so basically October, were up 5.3%. So their same store sales are accelerating at, at a time when a lot of restaurants can't even get people to, to come in the door at the same rate that they were a year ago. And really, the company just continues to, to focus on the basics. They don't do short term discounts or promotions, they don't do national marketing. They really focus on local marketing. Uh, there, there's very much an ownership mentality with the employees and the managers of of their 540 or so locations across uh, the country. And that, that formula is really clicking for them at a, at a time when a lot of casual diners especially are struggling to get people in the door. Do you know what the rough breakdown is in terms of company-owned locations versus franchise? Because I think, if I saw this correctly, I think the franchise same-store sales were up even slightly higher, like four point seven percent or something like that. That always, I always find that interesting when franchisees do slightly better than company-owned. It's primarily company-owned. Okay. They actually only franchise locations at the beginning of the company's history. So some of the initial investors gotcha. uh, franchise them. So they actually do control most of the growth. So I wouldn't read into uh, the franchise versus company-owned results too much because the the majority of that expansion and growth is coming from company-owned locations, but. Uh, and I think someone who might be looking at the stock today, it's essentially flat, not doing a whole lot. You know, the the PE multiple is still around 30, so the valuation is high, especially for a restaurant. But given the results that they have been able to churn out consistently in in the midst of this restaurant slowdown over the past couple of years, it's really impressive. So I think the the stock does deserve a premium, but uh, sometimes uh, doesn't always live up to the expectations or the hype in the short term. We had Kent Taylor, the CEO of Texas Roadhouse, at uh, Fool Fest uh, back in June. Any guidance from the company on expansion plans for Bubba's 33, which is sort of their, it's kind of their casual, even more casual dining, almost sports bar type concept, um, pizza, burgers, beer, that kind of thing? Yeah, kind of similar to Buffalo Wild Wings in a way, a place you would go to watch the game, get a beer. Get some pizza, burgers, all that that kind of stuff. They they have a handful of locations today. They're opening a few on an annual basis at this point. He Kent Taylor is very um, disciplined with the expansion. He wants to be patient with it. So he's basically saying. Uh, we have managers in our Texas Roadhouse ecosystem who are definitely interested in the Bubba's 33 concept, but he wants to give those managers a year or so working with the concept. They're fine-tuning it, like whether you have one or two bars, just different things, how many TVs you have, all those uh, you know, different factors. So it'll probably be at least another year or two before they ramp up the expansion there. At this point, they're just fine-tuning the formula. But I, I think once they, they crack that code, that they'll probably roll it out fairly quickly, because they, they do have a strong balance sheet and the cash flow to support that uh, expansion. So I was unaware of, of the concept uh, when I got the chance to spend a little bit of time with Ken Taylor and just sort of chat with him. And he had a menu on him, and he showed it to me, and the, and the the food looks great at Bubba's Thirty Three, and I just thought, oh, this is, I want to go here. Like that that was my in the moment reaction. I said, well, I want to go. I said, where where are these? Where are these? And he said, uh, oh, we're everywhere. And I said, <laughs> well, and I I I didn't say this, but I was thinking to myself, 
well, you're not everywhere. If you were everywhere, you'd be around here, and I'd be there right now. <laughs> so, so I said, well, when you say everywhere, like anywhere, Shreveport, anywhere in the DC area, and it's it's really it's 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 the Midwest, it's Ohio, it's um, uh, some in Michigan, uh, they've got some in Texas, that kind of Indiana. thing. Indiana. I, pull, yep. I pulled up the map. The closest one to where we are right now is Fayetteville, North Carolina. So that's that's where I'm like road trip. Ken, there you go. I, Everywhere. I want to go here. I just don't want to drive literally 300 miles to get there. So <laughs> maybe we can do a full trip down there. Get get that expensed. On right. it. See what we can do. All right, <laughs> Matt Argusinger, David Kressman, thanks for being here, guys. Thank thanks, you. Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Steve Broido. Steve Broido, our Steve-o. the original man behind the glass, filling in for Dan Boyd today. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.